your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. As it turns out, there is love in the heart of the city. Welcome to Orange and Blue Blood, the New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey WFAN. I am EJ Stewart, joined by Tommy Beer. This is our post-NBA trade deadline, post-mortem. We'll have plenty of discussions about what the Knicks did in this trade deadline. We'll also be talking about what they didn't do in this trade deadline. And we'll talk about a lot of these other teams that made some big moves. I mean, uh, there's another major fish that was in the New York basketball landscape that is now out of New York City. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of these other moves and how the Knicks kind of stack up with the rest of the Eastern Conference now that the NBA has seen a pretty massive shakeup in this trade deadline. So plenty to talk about on today's show. Of course, Tommy Beard joins me as always. Tommy, I was dead wrong when I said that this would be a quiet, quiet trade deadline. That was not the case this season. A boring day, you know, nothing, we don't really have anything to talk about this morning, maybe some know, Super right? Bowl stuff, or, you know, we can talk about some, some uh, pitchers and catchers reporting soon, or, um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I think uh, the NBA did uh, everybody with a pod and a, and a column and uh, um, involved in the league, as they tend to do, um, plenty of, plenty to discuss, and um, we can uh, get into it with the Knicks making, uh, I think we both agree, a good move, so uh, let's, uh, let's chat. Let's get it. And of course, this is, a, uh, again, an Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey. You can catch these episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature so you can get these episodes when we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, uh, where we uh, also post these episodes and these segments from uh, from the podcast. You can find us there on the Odyssey Sports channel. So you can catch us on YouTube as well as any of your uh, DSLs that you get your uh, podcast. So let's begin talking about uh, this Knicks trade that happened a day before the trade deadline. So the Knicks uh, made a move to upgrade their depth on the wing Wednesday night. They traded for Josh Hart from the Portland Trailblazers. New York sent Cam Reddish, Ryan Archie Diakono, Zvi Mikhailuk, and a lottery-protected first-round pick from this year's draft uh, to make the deal happen to bring Josh Hart to New York. Now, with that uh, first-round pick that they're sending out, if the Knicks miss the playoffs, it turns into four second-round picks because it's lottery protected. So there's some protection there. If the Knicks somehow screw this up and they don't find a way to make the playoffs, that they they would keep the pick, and then uh, Portland would then get four second-round picks. Hart this season is averaging 9.5 points a game. He's averaging 8.1 rebounds, shooting 50% from the field. He also has a player option worth $12.3 million for next season. So that's interesting to note. Will he or will he not opt out? Uh, of this contract after the season will be uh, definitely something to, to follow if you're a Knicks fan, which I'm sure many, many people listening are. So uh, I'll, I'll start with this, uh, Tommy, just flat out. Do you like this trade for the Knicks and getting Josh Harden here for the pieces that they sent out? I do. Uh, I like it. I, I think it's a good move. Um, and, and just big picture, you know, kind of, kind of where I think you have to assess when you're an NBA franchise, you should be heading in one of two directions. Either you're attempting to build your roster and make it as competitive as possible to win each game you play that next night and compete for a playoff spot and get into the playoffs and make the second round. Obviously, you know, you're, you're angling towards a title. You're heading in that direction or you're rebuilding and you're actively tanking 
Um, you know, you don't say it out loud, but you, you're right. increasing the odds that you have as many, um, you know, that that you, that you land in one of the bottom four spots. So you have a, you know, basically a 12.5% chance of, of winning the lottery. Some years the lottery is better than others. This happens to be a year um, that uh, that there is a uh, you're highly incentivized to win the lottery this season. Um, but the Knicks have no you know, you know f- feasible path towards Wembayana or Scoot Henderson. Um, and to me, they are on the you know they are in the 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 the, the, the they're they're building towards something, uh, building a competitive team and trying to obviously advance the playoffs and make some noise once they get to, when, once they get to the playoffs. That hasn't always been the case. Um, we could have argued this time last year that they were far better served to head in the opposite direction and um, you know c- consolidate young players and get as many draft picks as possible. Um, but I think the arrival of Jalen Brunson has changed all that. The Knicks have a point guard. Um, not just any point guard, an all-star caliber point guard, one of the 10 best, 12 best, eight best, six best, you know, um, as well as yeah. he played the season point guards in the NBA. Um, and that ch- is a game changer. You have Julius Randle playing at an all-star level, potentially an all NBA level. You have IQ and Grimes and RJ, you know, young core, uh, Mitchell Robinson, all contributing on a nightly basis. Um, so for that reason, you want to, you know, it's the it's the front office front office job to, um, you know, surround those that core with as many talented players as possible. And when you have a guy like Josh Hart available, um, he does so many things well, contributes in so many ways. Um, I think it makes sense to go after a guy like that. And we'll get into the specifics of why I think that. Um, but just big picture, I thought it made sense to approach the deadline as they did. Um, and and I love the, the the addition of Josh Hart in terms of a basketball player. I think he's going to increase the Knicks' chances of winning on a nightly basis, help the team uh, both now and going forward. I do think they resign, and we'll get into that later. Um, but big picture, I thought it makes sense to target a player like Josh Hart, and I like the player in particular in Josh Hart. Yeah, I think that the Knicks uh, did did good by by themselves with this trade. I thought that Josh Hart was a player that we talked about in the last podcast. I thought it was a pipe dream. Like I, I thought that there was a very low chance they can get a guy that I thought he he cost too much, um, considering what he brings to the floor, uh, being a fifty percent shooter, being a a maniacal rebounder, um, and just a maniacal physical player for a guy who's only six five. I I just didn't think that the Knicks would be able to get him. Um, considering that they may have to give up uh, maybe Obi Toppin in the first or something like that. I just didn't think they would do something like that. So the fact that you bring in a guy who, number one, is a is a top-notch character guy, a guy who, you you know, whenever you make a, a midseason trade, it's always important what kind of character you're bringing in because they could very much alter the chemistry of your team. Now you're bringing a guy, Josh Hart, who's always been a leader wherever he's gone. I talked about uh, in the last podcast how much Chauncey Billups valued uh, Josh Hart as a professional, why they kept playing him throughout the end of that last season when they were, you know, in theory, maybe should have been tanking um, and why they even brought him in uh, in that CJ McCollum trade. Like Josh Hart is a A1 dude by almost all accounts of people who played not just in the NBA, but also back to his days at Villanova. So I love that. The player you're getting is, um, again, kind of like a, a true Nick in many regards. Like he he's physical. Like he's an excellent rebounder. He's found a way to contribute offensively, even when his three-point shot has kind of gone a little bit awry this season. He's only shooting 30%. And last year, he shot 37%. So you hope maybe he can get those numbers back to where they've been. But he's still finding ways to contribute. And um, I, I just feel like he's the kind of guy, when you pair him with some of the guys the guys the Knicks have, 
he they needed a guy like this. They needed another wing. The fact that they kept playing Fournier whenever RJ would go down or somebody would go down, you know, it didn't burn them in the Sixers game, but it has burned them a lot this season. And because Cam was basically a nobody for the last two months, whether he wasn't getting on the court, regardless of who anybody getting hurt or anything happening, they needed another guy who can go out there and guard some of these wings. And the fact that you get a guy in Josh Hart who may be undersized, but doesn't play like it. You know, uh, you know he's 6'5", but I mean, he, he's 6'5", in the same way that T- T- P.J. Tucker is 6'5". I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy. He's a physical player. Um, so I, I really like this trade for the Knicks. He's 27 years old. He's entering the prime of his career. I don't think there's any reason why Nick shouldn't be able to bring him back, whether it's on a new deal or uh, I, I just think there's a chance maybe he opts in. Uh, maybe that's why the Knicks made this move because when you do give up a protected first for a guy who's on an expiring contract, a little bit of a risk there, but uh, I, I still like the move. You know, Cam Reddish wasn't going to work out here, so uh, you, you send him out. I have no issues with that. Obviously, Arthur Jackson and didn't get much playing time here, so that's really not much of a move. So really you're talking about your protected first for Josh Hart. A lot of veteran players last yesterday went out for second round picks. So some Knicks fans look at that and saying, uh, did you pay overpay a little bit? Maybe, but I, I just, they have two first round picks. So you're going to have to consolidate that probably anyway. You weren't probably going to draft two rookies on a team that's a, a younger team, but a team that's a veteran kind of team that's trying to make the playoffs. So uh, turning one of those picks into Josh Hart, I have no problem with that. So I like to trade from that regard. A hundred percent on the particulars here. Um, just a little bit for Nick fans can expect uh, dating back to the start of last season. Hart appeared in 105 games with the Pelicans and the Blazers averaged 12.3 points on 54, uh, 50.4% shooting 7.7 rebounds four four assists versus 1.8 turnovers, 1.1 made threes, one steals. Um, just kind of a, a quirky basketball reference, you know, uh, stat. Uh, he's only one of five players in the NBA to, uh, since the start of last season to average at least seven boards, four assists, one steal, one made three-pointer wow. um, while shooting over 50% from the floor. Um, other four players in this club, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, obviously not in the same category as those guys, but just gives you a general idea of the ways he contributes, um, not nearly the scorer those guys are. But again, to your point, um, even though his three-point efficiency and volume has decreased the season, finds a way to score, um, shoots around 69% in the paint, very efficient score, as I, as I noted, above 50%. Um, Greatest skill, um, uh, without question, is rebounding. Um, you know, had a, had a 19 rebound game at the Garden earlier this season. Um, one fat, one stat I found really interesting, um, dating back over the last 40 years, there were only three players listed under six six. Um, Josh Hart is listed at six five. Only three players listed under six six that, for their career, have averaged more than six rebounds a game. Jason Kidd, Russell Westbrook, and Josh Hart. Um, so again, that gives you wow. the kind of, you know, that gives you a sense of, of this guy can get after on the boards. Um, and, and just in, in terms of Josh, like m- me and my buddy Ryan, like have this thing, like when we talk about players, just in, in a general sense, like, is he an all day guy? Like in, in meaning if you go to an LA fitness, wherever you live and you pick up a dude and you're going to run threes or fours, like if he's on your team, he's going to, you're going to play all day. 
because he's not going, you're not going to lose with that type of guy. You know, right. uh, Draymond yeah, Green exactly. is, another, is another example, you know, like, yeah, he doesn't, they, they don't have the, the dribble package. They're not going to make cool layups like Kyrie Irving type players, you know, those flashy type guys, but they're going to defend and they're going to rebound and they're going to make the right pass and they're going to connect and they're not going to complain and they're not going to blame somebody when they miss a shot and they're going to pick you up when you, you know, when you fall on the ground, like just the little things like that. Um, and, I, and I thought you made a good point about chemistry and character. Um, if anything, if we've learned anything from the Brooklyn massacre, you know, uh, that over, over the last few <laughs> years, and we'll talk about that later in the pod, it's that I, I still remain shocked that, that, and I understand talent trumps all, especially in the NBA when there's only, you know, more than other sports when there's only five players on the floor. Um, yeah. But at some point you have to factor in um, what these guys, you know, how these guys approach their, you know, their, their craft, how they treat their teammates, how they treat their coach, the coaching staff and the front office executives and just people in general, the trainers and the ball boys and that type of stuff, I believe, makes a difference. Um, we'll see how it how it plays out. But um, just for all those reasons, um, I really like the heart move. And, 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 and also very important to point out, yes, they do potentially lose a first round pick. And again, Again, that they have to make the playoffs, um, which is not a foregone conclusion. It's important to note, especially with the play-in, um, if they finish seventh and they lose two games, you know, at the end of the regular right. season, they, they're they're a lottery team, which means they keep their first-round pick. Um, right. Which you know, the Raptors got better at the deadline. You know, you got to play a Hawks team. It wouldn't be crazy. Um, I think now we and we'll talk about this maybe not today, but next week and, and going forward. I think there's a legitimate chance that the Knicks can not only get the five seed, maybe capture the uh, not only capture the six seed, maybe the five seed. As we see the Nets start to tumble, they lost again last night. Traded two All Stars. Um, we'll get there, yeah. but and I think Hart uh, it increases the Knicks' chances of getting there. Um, but again, it's not as if you're definitely giving away first round pick. And and to your point, even if you give away the first rounder, the, if you draft the guy at 17. Essentially, the Knicks' entire rotation this season is coming back next year. They're all under contract. I should, right. I should they're all under contract, so the trades are a possibility. But you know, it's not right. like they have you know three you know rotation spots opening up via free agency. Um, so that players is likely not going to do it. They still have plenty of first round picks, and just as importantly, um, this is a, it, this is a, a, a crucial point to note. The the the, uh, the the first round pick does not transfer over next season. The reason the Knicks did that right. exactly. is 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 this way they can trade their 24 first rounder because they're going they have the Mavis pick coming, which means they can send out four the basically the full boat. The most you can send out in a trade for a superstar is four future first round picks. The Knicks can do that this summer um, because this trade, one way or the other, will convert this season. This this summer. Right? Yeah. So right. Yeah. So that's so. So to me, like when I when I saw that as well, that that told me that the Knicks really really like Josh Hart because I think that they 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 kind of had you know probably one bite at the apple with the, of a veteran player that he could bring in, giving up that first round pick. I'm sure they asked around, yeah. what would we what could we get for one of these picks that we have this year? We'll protect it from the lottery, um, and what could we get? And it seemed I assume Josh Hart maybe was the best guy they got, or at least the best guy in their eyes. Um, so the fact that they're willing to take that risk, but also understand that they have that flexibility still to picks moving forward, I think it's smart. And look, you're the Knicks make the playoffs. You're talking about a draft pick that's you know between 18 and 20 or whatever that is. Like, what are the chances that guy's gonna be as good as Josh Hart? I don't, I don't know. It's not very good. I mean, no. just look at guys who are drafted in that area. Um, 
you know, it's like, you know, throwing, you know, darts at a dartboard and trying to figure out who's going to be the guy. There's always a guy late in the first round or in the early second round that ends up popping and becoming a star. But it's again, it's throwing darts at a dartboard. You got one out of 16, 17 chance to get whoever that guy is. I'll take my chance with Josh Hart and another first round pick I still have this year uh, moving forward. Where do you feel like Josh Hart fits in this rotation? Um, is he coming off the bench for you? Like, do you think that that's definitely what's going to happen? I think so. Definitely, at least initially. Um, I think he's going to come off the bench. Um, and I think, you know, assuming uh, Tibbs sticks with a nine-man rotation, which is likely, um, I could see him extend it out just on a back-to-back, play 10 guys. If, you know, if, if you know, guys are tired, play 10 guys, things along those lines. But we know Tibbs. Um, he had success with a nine-man rotation. Now they have nine solid players. Um, so I, my assumption is he'll replace Deuce McBride, um, who's been playing better, um, which is, yeah. you know, uh, you know, there's, you know, but still, it's good to have depth, and you know it's understandable. McBride is just not nearly as talented as gifted. Uh, you know he's not capable of contributing the way Josh Hart does. Um, so that's an immediate upgrade right there. But that's only you know 10, 12 minutes a night that Deuce was playing over the last month. Um, last two seasons, Hart has averaged north of thirty-three minutes. Will he get there with the Knicks? No, certainly, and and not and not off the bench. Um, but I do think he's upwards of 25, 28. He'll play twenty-two on a, on a, on a given night. So you got to carve out an extra 10, 15 minutes in addition to the McBride minutes he's going to get and I think that's where he's going to eat into IQ's minutes um, uh, Grimes minutes and and also RJ Barrett to me I don't know if it was intentional you know I I don't think that this was kind of the thinking of the of the front office but this puts some pressure on RJ Barrett uh, who hasn't played well of late Um, and and the on-off numbers and and the 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 advanced metrics and the the percentages is is inefficiency shooting percentages all you know lend credence to the fact that the Knicks have been better with him off the floor over the last three weeks or so Um, and now he has real competition for minutes I mean because when you think about it what does RJ Barrett who's still young and still growing and will become a better player obviously the Knicks hope so they signed him to a four-year contract and I think most basketball observers would agree um, he's, he's better than he showed this season. Certainly was on that trajectory coming into this season. Um, what does he do better than Josh Hart at this moment? Uh, Hart's a better rebounder. Hart's a better passer, better connector. Hart's a better defender, a more versatile defender. Um, you know, so there's, is RJ a little better score? Probably. Um, yeah. but you know, but, but Hart's a far more efficient scorer. Um, so there's just, you know, w- w- and, and Hart's the type of guy um, that probably fits in a little better when you have two ball dominant players in, in Brunson and Randall. So um, there's just a lot and, and Hart's the type of guy that Tibbs is going to fall in love with. So I think RJ's minutes could see the biggest hit out of, out of that, that trio of, of IQ Grimes and RJ. Yeah. I mean, I think RJ, RJ, I think RJ is a, is a I, I kind of pause to say it, but I think he's probably a significantly better shot creator, but I do feel like, for this team, when you have Brunson and Randall, another shot creator in the starting lineup or even in the closing lineup might not be as uh, coveted or as necessary as maybe one would think um, because Brunson and Randall have played at such a high level. So in certain situations, would you prefer to have a guy who can just, you know, stick on one of the other team's best players, whether that be a Jimmy Butler in the playoff series, whether that be, um, you know, uh, maybe James Harden, you know, like, like that's going to be a real important question with the way RJ's playing defense. I do think that that's something to note. I do wonder, um, I, I do agree. I think he comes off the bench. I don't think they're going to bench RJ, you know, because I just don't think they're going to bench. Him. I just think there's too much money invested. It's, that's not going to happen. But I do wonder what happens if they do stick with nine or do they go with 10, given, given how Deuce plays 
I think I tend to agree with you that probably stick with nine, but I, I don't think it's crazy that he may go to 10, at least to start, because, you know, Tibbs is, I think he's going to love Josh Hart, but we do know he's kind of slow to maybe like warm up to a new player on his team. We saw, you know, Cameron couldn't get on the floor for like a month before when he got traded. So I wonder if maybe he'll kind of ease Hart, Hart in slowly and still keep Deuce McBride in there. But I also wonder if Hart's ability to rebound will, maybe I'm saying something that's ridiculous, but will maybe edge Tibbs to be more inclined to play smaller. Like the one thing he's always said about the the fact that he didn't want to play small was that he felt that they would get, they would have no rim protection, which Josh, not like Carson, I can help you with that. But he's also said they won't be able to rebound. And that's one of the Knicks' biggest strengths, one of the best rebounding teams in the league. Will he feel like in certain instances, hey, I can play smaller because Josh Hart, it, it doesn't matter who's on the floor. He's one of the best rebounds on the floor uh, of all the 10 guys playing. So I, I kind of wonder if maybe we could see more top in Randall minutes. Could we see uh, maybe RJ more of the four in certain instances? Like I, 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 that's the one thing I would wonder about uh, this hard move. If, if it inclines Tibbs to decide to play smaller at some point, some I think so. Yeah. One thing that's, that's clear is RJ uh, is Tibbs is going to have to get creative a little bit. And that's not always been his greatest strength. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see how he adjusts, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, and the the benefit of Hart is the Knicks needed some 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 a, another player that that could enter the rotation because not only does this not only it, it is um, we've talked about it a ton. Randall's played too many minutes. Brunson's played too many minutes. This yeah. allows you can play. Um, Hart at the four. We talked about how good a rebounder is against smaller lineups. He can play some time at the four. He can spend some time at the two. Um, when Hart's on the floor, you can give IQ some extra minutes at point guard, which means you can reduce um, Brunson's minutes. So, so this ideally yes. should should there's ripple effects here that allows that that gives Tibbs another opportunity to play a player he trusts. Um, you know, instead of that six core, the six starters. Now we have seven starters. However you want to phrase it, um, but I think the, the the kind of the ancillary benefits are the reduced minutes from for for Randall um, two or three minutes less a night for Brunson two or three minutes less a night um, and, and I think that will will benefit the team going forward both immediately um, so those guys are fresher in, in, in the fourth quarter um, and, and obviously long term over the last final two months of the season as they're as their playing time gets kind of win, uh, just just a touch two or three minutes a night less could could pro- could prove beneficial down the road and one last thing on this trade um, talking about the pieces that went out and Cam Reddish being obviously the main one outside of the first round pick. Cam Reddish has his fans in this Knicks fandom. Like there are a lot of people who felt like Cam got a raw deal that Cam could have definitely contributed on this team. Um, Where do you see where his career goes now that it ends up in Portland? Portland's kind of a weird team. When you look at their roster, they have a lot of young players, guys that you're kind of like, banking on maybe that they could turn their careers around and, and do something or, or even young guys like a Shaden Sharp who uh you know we don't know much about from his college days because he didn't play much but is a developmental guy guy who uh, was a big time high school prospect who's played pretty well for them in his rookie year where do you see how Cam Reddish fits on Portland do you feel like you, you'll see a lot from him and see the growth that maybe people hope that that that, that he'll have yeah, Wednesday night, I would have said I'm very interested to see what 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 happens with Cam in Portland. Then the Blazers traded for Matisse Thibel uh, on, mm. on Thursday afternoon, and for me, um, no question, I'd much rather. I, I was I was I, I never understood um, why the why Thibel couldn't crack that rotation in the Sixers. You know, in, in Philly, consistently it seemed like a great piece to play alongside Harden and Embiid. And the, I, every time I watched him, you know, it was such a good defender. It's it's you know I you know all NBA potential defensive ability. I understand he needs to shoot better, um, but there's been players in the NBA that you know are 
are bad shooters and, and still find ways to contribute. Um, so I, 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 I was surprised that Philly gave him up. They did get Jaden McDaniel. So I thought that made sense from, from a Philly perspective. I don't know what Charlotte's yeah. thinking, um, but I, I Thibel is one of those guys that I thought was one of the buy low opportunities. Um, I just needed a kind of a fresh start and I think he'll get into Portland. So for that reason, I think he's going to get the lion's share of minutes, especially when you consider um, the, the players he, he'll be playing alongside in Portland, Dame Lillard, Anthony Simons. These guys are scorers, not defenders. So when you have those guys, Nurk, when you have that type of offensive, you know, talent on one end of the floor, he would complement those guys really well. Um, again, as, as far as Reddish is concerned, um, you know, the rumblings in and around the organization was this guy just didn't bring it. Um, one thing, you know, you, you talk about Hart and the and the culture. He's a he's a guy. You know, the Knicks have developed a culture. They're going to compete. They're going to defend. Um, it's not always going to be pretty, but they're going to grind out wins and they're going to try. You know, they're going to they're going to beat you with effort. Um, and yep. and from, you know from people in and around the organization you just hear that cam would play really well in games and in some games then have off play you know really compete in practices on some days and then just not show up the following day so that that type of stuff that professionalism um, is required um, to really be a star in the nba now we've seen two organizations give up essentially on cam reddish who's still young um you know he said this this is the third act of his career um but he kind of needs to establish himself there and he'll get an opportunity in portland um we'll see what it happens but um you know to your point and i understand that some Nick fans were are oh, this is essentially you're giving up two draft picks for Hart because he gave up a first that listen that was a sunk cost um so I, I can't you can't compound that that mistake um so right. so I, I have no problem with the with the Knicks parting ways with the Cam Reddish yeah exactly I mean you know you can't cry with spilled milk as the saying goes like you know they gave up the first for Cam uh it didn't work out for this coach and this team and I can go on and on about how I don't I, you know I'm not the biggest fan of this coach clearly as anybody listens to this show but it is what it is at this point. Now you're trying to get something for him. And, okay, you attach a first, but you get a guy who you know can absolutely contribute to the Knicks. So I can't fault them for that. And then when it comes to Cam in Portland, Portland's kind of a weird team. Like, I, I don't really know. You know, they apparently they're getting called with Dame Lillard, and they were hanging up the phone saying, you know, don't call my phone again. Like, so Dame Lillard, I guess, is still off the board. They don't look like a team that's – uh, definitely not a definite playoff team. I mean, maybe they find a way to play in and we'll see what happens. We know Dame Lillard in a one, two game situation probably is a dangerous player, but, uh, and I, I always like Anthony, Anthony Simon. So they had a really talented backcourt, not much defense, but they could definitely score. But then the rest of their team, uh, I like the Jeremy Grant move, but it just doesn't seem to have really resulted into win. So, um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think, they, they kind of what they've again, what we've seen them do recently with some of the players they've drafted, like a Nasir Little and I mentioned Shaden Sharp. Like, I just think they're taking guys who have been seen as talented guys who maybe, uh, for whatever reason, be underrated and, and they're just taking a flyer. And Cam to me is in that same boat. I do think that the Dible news is interesting because, in some ways, I feel like they kind of replaced Hart with a younger Jack Hart, you know, like Dible. Uh, maybe isn't as uh, definitely not as efficient a scorer, but he brings the same level of defense, same level of professionalism. Um, so, like, it's, it's funny that they got a guy who essentially uh, reminds me a lot of the guy they lost. We we know one thing that Adam Silver in the league office is hoping that that 
you know, the Blazers moves don't work out because if the Lakers are going to move into that, that, that top 10 spots, they got to replace one of those teams. Um, and, right. And it, yeah. You know, so you'd, you'd think it probably it's, you know, the Pelicans, the Wolves, the Warriors, you assume they're, they're going to get on track. Those, those are their, you know, the seven through seven through nine teams. And then you have the Blazers. OKC is also ahead of the Lakers too. So the Lakers got to jump them, but really like what the Lakers did yesterday. Um, yeah. My only concern is it's a little bit too – is it a little bit too little too late? Um, you know, they lost again last night. Is LeBron going to be healthy? Like, they could play really well and still miss the playoffs. Or, yeah. you know, in best-case scenario, I think at this point, is they, you know, finish one of the nine or ten teams, um, and then it's a one and done. Listen, do I think they could win one game and then win another game and win a first-round series? Absolutely. They'd probably be favored if they, you know, if they if they come right. out of that playing tournament. Um, but, again, there's a lot of kind of up in the air. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Yes, we will. We'll be talking more about some of these other teams uh, on this trade deadline. But before we move on from the Knicks, uh, the Knicks did move Cam Reddish, but uh, they did not find new homes for some other player that had been rumored to be on the trading block. So Obi Toppin was a player uh, that some people thought would get shipped out of here. He is still in New York, despite the fact that he has not been getting a lot of playing time because of the emergence of Julius Randle. Uh, Derek Rose and Evan Fournier, two vets who uh, were seen you know, in high regards last season, have not played much this season. Those guys were are still on the team. I don't know if you saw uh, uh, Evan uh, Fournier's uh, Instagram posts, you know, he posted a picture of him smiling on the garden court saying that he can unpack his stuff now. So because he knew he wasn't leaving. So uh, Evan Fournier, again, takes everything in stride as we've seen him a lot this season do do that. So uh, those three guys are still on the team. Are you surprised that none of them were dealt? Uh, Obi's a different story. As far as Fournier and, and Rose are concerned, I'm not shocked. Um, obviously the Knicks would have done it had they, you know, received anything of value back or not had to attach draft capital. They would have had to, you know, attach a first round pick to get rid of Fournier. And, and he's shown that, you know, he can be a, you know, on a, on any given night score 17 and, and, you know, contribute off the bench if you have injuries or something, there's just no reason it's, you know, moving him wouldn't have, you know, give the Knicks a max cap slot this off season. So there's just really no motivation, um, to do so. Uh, obviously when he's an expiring contract this time next year, different story. Um, Rose, if, you know, they needed to facilitate a, as a third team, um, you know, to in, in terms of salary slot, you know, become a third team and to facilitate a deal that might've made sense. But again, they're not going to attach draft capital to get rid of him. Um, I, it's potential. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they discussed a bio with Rose, if another team, say the Suns needed a backup point guard or, you know, the Lakers, they, they have plenty of point guard depth now, but um one of those other teams, a competitive team, you know, top five in the conference, a chance where Rose would get some on court and, and have a chance to make a run. If they felt that was best for the organization, I, I have no doubt that that they would do what's best for D. Rose. Um, so we'll see if that happens. As far as Obi goes, um, it sounds like the front office has a has a higher, you know, they, they place a higher valuation on Toppin um, than the coaching staff does. Um, it sounds like their asking price for Obi was a little bit too high, um, you know, but uh, whereas the, the coaches doesn't feel that he's ready to contribute defensively basketball IQ wise. Um, we'll see how that turns out. We've talked about this ad infinitum um, now that Obi's but Obi's going to be here for the rest of the season. Does he play more than 10 minutes a night? 12 minutes a night, probably less likely now that Josh Hart's in the picture. Um, what do they do this offseason? He's extension eligible. They probably don't offer him extension, which means um, he'll essentially be on the on the precipice of unrestricted uh, restricted free agency in the final year of his rookie contract. How does that play out? 
Um, again, it's just hard to figure out where he's going to get playing time, where he's going to have an opportunity to prove that he's, you know, capable of more as long as Randall's healthy. Um, but, uh, you know, they didn't sell low on him, um, which is in, in some respects, yeah. they, they have, you know, so that, that's, that's one positive. And obviously um, this team is looking to, to catch the six seed, catch the five seed, you know, at least stay at seven seed or higher. Um, and doing so, you, 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 they didn't really have a, a true backup four. Obviously, Obi's the backup four, which protects you, gives you insurance should Randall get injured. So um, I'm not shocked uh, by, by any means. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised either. I think Fournier is just – he just wasn't going to have any takers this season. I mean, we saw last year with Alec Burks, uh, who's making less money than Fournier, that teams aren't weren't going to take a guy who they looked at as a probably a net negative and – uh, and take keep him on for another year, and uh, with another year left on his contract, like Burks had another year left, so the Knicks couldn't move him last year. They were begging teams to take him, and nobody would take him. When it came to the draft, then there was someone interested, and that was Detroit. So uh, we saw the same thing with Nerlens Noel. So I, I think that we're gonna see the same thing with Fournier. Nobody wanted to take him this year. I get that. He, he, we know what he is defensively. We know he hit some shots, but you know the defense really hurts you. And he's making a pretty pretty penny for a guy who doesn't really provide anything other than, you know, some shooting. So uh, I think this offseason you'll see him get moved, uh, maybe in the draft, maybe, you know, around you know June, July 1st, somewhere around there. But uh, but he was going to stay. Derrick Rose, he has he a team option. So you thought maybe he was a little more likely maybe someone would take a flyer on him. But uh, there, as we saw during the trade deadline, there were a lot of better guards who <laughs> were being shipped around. You know, so so I didn't really see a market for him for based on the guards that got traded. And then with Toppin, I, I mean, look, I guess, like I said in the last podcast, like I, he's my favorite Nick right now on this team. So I'm happy he's, he's he's here still. But I also feel like I'm not surprised they lost him because if you lose him, you don't have a backup four. Like they don't like the Knicks have a kind of a weirdly constructed roster to some degree. And, you know, it may like that's that's why the Jared Vanderbilt thing made a little sense because all right, if you're gonna lose Toppin, like you need to replace right. him with somebody. So top yeah. you no know, Vanderbilt was someone who would slide in there. But if you're not gonna replace him with a viable player, then what's the point of trading him? And I think that probably in a lot of these deals that they were talking about with other teams, teams may have been offering a lot of second round picks, maybe even first round picks. But if like Nick's trying to win this season, so yeah. if they trade Toppin, they don't have a backup four man, and all their other wings, they don't have any combo wings really guys who would play three and four, it didn't really make much sense. So I'm not – I kind of thought the top and stuff was a little overblown in terms of like, oh, he's definitely going to get traded because there are so many things that had to work in a deal. They had to get back a competent – maybe a competent draft pick um, or a massive upgrade in their back in, – in, on the bench. And they would also have to replace top. <laughs> uh, so I, I just thought that too many things would have to work out perfectly for the Knicks to find a deal that made sense. So I wasn't surprised either that, you know, any, that none of these guys got traded. I thought the the Wiseman trade was interesting in terms of Obi Toppin because mm. like like Toppin, Wiseman's a second draft guy, you know, and, and Troy Weaver in Detroit yeah. is known for, for taking a chance, rolling the dice on those second draft, meaning the guy didn't pan out with the team that originally drafted him. Now you're 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 trading or acquiring or signing as a free agent one of these young, unproven players. Um and and all the Pistons had to do was give up second round picks, five second round picks granted, which seems was like the going rate for for players yesterday. Um, but yeah, for the for the Pistons to get a player with Wiseman's upside, I really like that for Detroit, even though they have a ton of centers. Um, yeah, so, that's a problem. 
It, that's yeah. an issue, and they'll they'll have to figure that out. I'm surprised there wasn't a corresponding move, and I think Nerlens Noel hits the buyout market because of it. Um, but again, yeah. I you know um, if Wiseman couldn't even if no team was willing to trade a first round pick for Wiseman, that tells you that, that Obi you know wouldn't wasn't uh, you know another team likely wasn't going to invest a, a first rounder in in Toppin. So um, I thought that kind of gave a sense of the market for those kind of undervalued uh, you know young players that hadn't panned out with their original team. I mean, finally kind of put a ball on this Knicks trade deadline. How do you kind of grade how the team did considering uh, the move they made and the move they didn't make uh, with these other players? I think we'll the first time we can give a grade to it is you know April fifteenth or whatever when the when the right. end of the playing tournament end of the playoffs. Um, I, I again I initially like it, um, so I'm not going to second guess it. I, I think it was a smart trade. I think it was a good trade. I think Hart helps the team, but ultimately we're going this this trade will be determined by what happens on July first um, in free agency because if they don't resign and again I I I I definitely think Hart will opt out. It's only a twelve point nine million dollar player option. He can get far more than that. Um, in the you know via long term cash even if it's annually I, even if he can if he had to settle for twelve um, he'll get three four years at twelve million. Yeah, I think his his annual cost will be closer to fifteen. Um, so, uh, so again, the Knicks need to retain him in order for this trade to be a, 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 a to truly work out. Um, so that uh, my sense is, again, we haven't mentioned it yet. Josh Hart is not only a Villanova guy, um, not only a, yeah. a Thibs guy, uh, he's also a CAA guy. Um, you yeah. know, so, so there's 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 obviously um, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that the that Leon Rose might have a little familiarity with what Hart is looking at in free agency, what his agent thinks he's worth, what his agent thinks he'll get, whether he'll opt out. Did they discuss the Knicks can also sign him to a two year extension? Is that a possibility before he opts into free agency? They don't extend two years on the, you know, he picks up the player option and they expect extend two years on top of that. Um, my guess is they intend to do that. You don't trade a first round pick or potentially a first round pick to rent a veteran on a, on a team that's around 500 for three months. Um, that that's bad business. So I don't think they'll, you know, anything can happen. That's, that's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, it doesn't get along, whatever the case might be. Um, but I think that's outside the likelihood of happening. So I think they need to resign them in order for the, for the trade to be truly successful. I think they'll do that. And I think you'll have a, a core piece around the, the, the Brunson, you know, the, the, the Brunson IQ, Mitch Rob Grimes, um, RJ, although I think, and big picture, and we'll, again, we'll talk about this next week um, and during the All-Star break when we have some time, I think this lays the groundwork for RJ being traded this offseason. Whether I, I was kind of happy that OG Ananobi didn't get moved at the deadline because now I think there's a great, greater uh, likelihood that um, the Knicks are in play this, this offseason. Um, but I, I think that RJ's t tenure with the team is – the most tenuous it's been since he got drafted. Let me just say that. I don't think it's a likelihood wow. they'll trade him. I don't think they're 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 dying to move him. I don't think they're desperate to trade him. They'd be happy to hold him. But if the Knicks are going to go superstar hunting, RJ and draft picks, I think, is the package they're going to put out there. They did it with Donovan Mitchell. Now they're even more more likely to do it um, now that they have a competent, a very good starting, uh, I shouldn't say very good, but a competent, above-average starting small forward that can contribute and fits in well alongside Brunson and Randall, as we mentioned. So um, uh, as far as the grade goes, I like it initially, um, but they have to keep them long-term in order for it to be a truly successful deal, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that if, you know, Hart, you know, bounces his offseason and, you know, a Knicks season that ends, I, I, you know, 
I, I would hope it ends at least in the playoffs. Right. Uh, but it ends in a first round exit. I mean, I don't know how much that does for me, but um, but if they are able to keep him and you know they make the playoffs, maybe they lose in six games or five games to one of these teams, the top end teams. And you say, okay, uh, you know, you got back to where you were, you know, the first year you were tips, you know, you made the playoffs, uh, which you didn't make last year. I think you feel fine with that as long as Hart can uh, stay in the fold. And you, you signed that contract. That makes sense too. You know, I, you're the nine guy. I want to see signed to four years, a hundred million or something like that, you know. If it's a reasonable deal, I think that that's a good move for the Knicks. I do want to uh, briefly talk about um, the the rest of these teams and some of these other moves that happened and how it will impact the Knicks moving forward because there's a lot that went down. So uh, you had the the massive move where Kevin Durant was shipped to Phoenix, and I do got to give one more for the road for KD because. Tell me a little something, KD. Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? I had to do that because I know uh, Knicks fans are still reveling in the fact that uh, the Brooklyn KD era is over. So uh, Durant shipped to Phoenix for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first round picks and a 2028 pick swap trade. Of course, like I said, ends the KD Kyrie era in Brooklyn for good. They are now in the complete rebuild mode in Brooklyn. Meanwhile, the Lakers reshaped much of their roster with two major moves. Russell Westbrook, a 2027 first-round pick, and a 2024 second-round pick was sent out in a three-team deal with Utah and Minnesota that brought them back D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jarrett Vanderbilt. They also traded Patrick Beverly to Orlando for Mo Bamba. There were other key moves. Yeah, the Clippers adding Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, Mason Plumley in multiple deals. Jay Crowder, who was sent to Brooklyn, eventually got sent to Milwaukee, which is, I think, where he's from. Definitely where he played uh, college basketball at at, uh, at uh, Marquette. So they had him. They've been looking to get him for a couple of years. Now he's finally a buck. Uh, the Raptors, I think, surprisingly, most people were not sellers. They sent out a 2024 first-round pick to bring back Jakob Pertl from the San Antonio Spurs. And then the Warriors uh, traded back for Gary Payton II, a player who was a free agent that they did not sign. Um, and now he's back. They traded five second-round picks, and they now uh, have Gary Payton II and James Wiseman, as uh, Tommy mentioned, in that deal. He got sent to Detroit. So let's start with KD. How shocked were you by the KD news when it happened? I uh, wasn't shocked. I, I think we saw the writing on the wall. And actually, credit to our um, WFAN Odyssey compadre, Evan Roberts, uh, obviously a big Nets fan. He nailed it. Uh, he called uh, the the the, the uh, um uh, the KD to Phoenix trade the, the morning of basically yeah. all the players involved. Um, and yeah, I mean, listen, once, once Kyrie was gone, we know KD wanted to go to Phoenix um, in the off season. He, he was looking to get traded, uh, wanted out of Brooklyn. Um, I, so I wasn't shocked in that respect. Um, but looking, you know, from, from 2019 to 2023 to see the Nets, you know, walk away with one playoff series victory, um, and just 16 games played together by Kyrie and KD uh, and Harden, only 74 games by, by the two of them. Um, just, a, and a, just an unbelievable turn of events to see, see, to see the way it all turned out. Um, anytime you trade KD, it's devastating to a franchise, still playing at a very high level. That being said, um, I understand where the Nets were coming from. I think it's actually a good deal in 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 the in the sense that they had to if they had to move him getting a player like Mikhail Bridges a young potential all-star caliber 3 and D wing maybe one of the best 3 and D wings in the league um made a lot of sense they got some draft capital back um really in the big picture the thing 
the the KD era, the KD Kyrie Big Three era, the trade that really haunt will haunt them is the is the Harden deal, um, yep. giving giving up four unprotected first round picks and two pick swaps. Um, the Nets, uh, the Rockets completely control the Nets draft from now until 2027. Um, the Nets also gave up Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Um, that's the one that that really comes back to bite them. Then they had to trade Harden. Two, you know, they, they obviously hardened demand in the trade. They traded into Philly, got back Ben Simmons, who was two years and $79 million up on his contract. He is lost. I mean, he's a, it, it just, it, it, one of the, probably the worst contract in the NBA at this point. Um, <laughs> right. So just a nightmare situation, how, how that whole thing has, has played out. Um, but again, they, you know, they were backed into a corner. Sean Marks did what he had to do. Um, you know, getting the, you know, Cam Johnson's a good player. They flipped the, you know, uh, yeah. Crowder. Um, so I understand where the Nets were coming from. Um, but uh, yeah, just a, an amazing term of events. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would say like shocked, probably not the word I would say, but definitely stunned to just see it. Cause it's kind of just, it's just stunning to see a player, the caliber of Kevin Durant and all the hoopla that came with his move to Brooklyn. And you see on your notification, I was up at 1am when it dropped. <laughs> Kevin Durant was being traded to the Phoenix Suns, the team that we had heard rumored that he wanted to go to this offseason that the Nets were trying to block him from. It's stunning just to see because you're just like, wow, you know, even though, you know, this is a Knicks podcast with Knicks fans, I know we're New Yorkers. So, you know, we're immersed in, you know, this KD era in Brooklyn and what it was supposed to be. And to see it come end so sadly, a team that had a lot of success this season. I mean, at one point they had to have 12 game yeah. winning streak. Uh, they they got red hot and and to see that they're now in teardown mode, all because of Kyrie Irving, really. And that's that's what it comes down to. If Kyrie Irving doesn't do anything, he just keeps his nose uh, clean. Um, they, then this they probably just play the season out, and we see it happens. Maybe they make the finals. Maybe they don't. But uh, Kyrie, or if, or, just, or, or, or if he even gets vaccinated, the start of last season. Oh yeah, the three, yeah exactly. the three of them—that's the greatest off collection of offensive talent. You know, you can imagine. They, they, do they win the championship? You know, maybe not because maybe Kyrie does something else stupid um, right, besides yeah. not getting vaccinated. But it's just it it, it the, the, that for that to have happened. Then yeah, to your point, they'd won eighteen to twenty at one point, and like a, a week ago, people were talking they got a chance to win the championship again. You know, Boston's playing better, and um, but again, as, as far as KD in particular is concerned. I the reason another reason not to be shocked is he he had a great thing going in OKC. He abandoned them for the 73 wins Warriors team. Then he wins two titles with the Warriors and is in that great culture and Steph Curry and Clay, and then leaves them yeah. to go to Brooklyn. He follows Kyrie of all people to Brooklyn. Now at least he's in Phoenix, doesn't have to be the leader. A little more, you know, Monty Williams and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. He can kind of blend into the background and just let his play do the talking, which is probably best for him. Yeah, so uh, so he he goes and you know I'll be very interested to see what the if he has success in Phoenix, they win a title. How that story be written? I, I don't think necessarily. I think Kevin Durant's legacy will be very much a a kind of asterisk by his championships. I really do. I just I, I think that you look at the fact that he couldn't get it done in OKC. He went to the seven three one Warriors, and he was great there. He was a Finals MVP there twice. No one's questioning how great he was there, but he goes to a team that was already a championship caliber team and he just makes them better. Then he tries to do it on his own again. He tries to uh, pair up with another guard and say, okay, we're going to build something somewhere else. A, a team that we thought was set up to win a championship 
and they win one playoff series. I just think if he goes now to the Suns and he goes and helps Devin Booker win a title, all that, that's all that will be to me. It will be that he helped Devin Booker win his first championship, a guy who's been holding it down in Phoenix and uh, is deserving of a title. He will help Chris Paul get his first title. That's what it would be. It wouldn't be KD got his third ring. Where did, like None of that matters to me at this point. Like I, like I and, and he says it doesn't matter to him, but yet he responds to every single person on Twitter that tells him that it should matter. So I, I think it probably does matter to him a little bit. But yeah, I, I I don't even fault him necessarily for. Uh, I did this summer when he wanted to go to Phoenix. I don't even fault him at this point for wanting to go to Phoenix only because of just Kyrie tearing everything down the way he did. But now that this has happened, it it it, it I, no one can deny how great Austin talent he is. But when it comes to the the greatest of all time, the greatest champions, like he, he's just not on that list to me. He's not. He's just he's in another class of other really great players who did win titles. But and we're not, I'm not talking about as goats or anything like that um when it came to some of these other deals the winners of this trade deadline i as you noted i really liked what the lakers did uh it's funny i was having a long conversation with my brother kendall stewart who's a co-host of mine on new generation sports talk uh, podcast i do and it wasn't a podcast it was just a phone call and he hated that he hated the lakers trade because he's like at what point do you look at you know i know you only gave up one first round pick but now it's another two years where you can't do any trades with your own first round picks and you got back, you know, role players essentially. But I mean, when you got a LeBron James who's 38 years old, whatever he is, you got AD who we know is, you know, fragile, but you know, you hope that you can just kind of keep him healthy for one playoff run. And you send back, send out that tragic point guard trio of Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, and Patrick Beverly. You net Rui Hachimura, Russell, Beasley, Vanderbilt. And Mo Bamba, I mean, that's really good maneuvering. He only gave up one first to do that. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't slander Rob Polinka today. Like, I think that that he did a pretty good job considering those uh, factors. Obviously, that they they have no cap space, no flexibility, and he still was able to reshape the roster. Yeah, I thought Polinka dug himself a massive hole and stayed in it for too long. But I give him credit for at least digging part part way out of it. Um, the pick they gave was also protected. Um, top four or top five, I think. So, so, so it makes some sense. In, yes. in that. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're in a, they're in a good spot, I think. But again, you know, the, the only, my issue is, is it too little too late? Um, I would have I liked this to be done in the summer. So they have a full season to integrate these guys. Now they got to integrate four rotation players in, in, in six weeks and they can't afford to lose. You know, you lose on a buzzer beater, you know, a game you play yeah. well. And, and a, a LeBron sits out another game because of an ankle or AD, you know, uh, has a, has a scratch on his pinky finger. Like, you know, he's not going to play the games. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's the only thing, you know, you, 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 you got to have a little luck now to get, just to get to the 10 seed, let alone the six seed, um, which I guess it's still, they're so tightly bunched. I guess it's, possible um but extremely unlikely um so you just got to get into that playing tournament which isn't a guarantee if they're in the playing tournament they will be the most talented playing team in the short history of the playing tournament and maybe you know for the next 20 years they'll they'll never be another yeah. as talented team but whenever you're it's, it's a one and done thing that's that's a scary situation yeah yeah it will be so i think that it will be curious to see what the lakers how they shape up if they're able to find a way into that playing i said the good news is you know I think you make a good point about how dire these wins and losses are down the stretch. Because yeah. when you get to the trade deadline, you also break. Like, there's an assumption that, oh, we're at the halfway point. Like, no, we're way past the halfway point. We're kind of more at the three-quarter line here at this point. So there's very little games left. So it's not like, oh, we have a whole half of a season to figure out. We take a break at the trade at the all-star break, but it's so late into the season at this point now. 
especially with the Super Bowl being moved back. It's, it's now a, a, a week later than it used to be. Um, it, it's 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 do or die, really. So yep. it, a lot to, to a lot for them to adjust in a short amount of time. The Clippers move interesting moves. Like I I I, I really like the guys they brought in. Highland, he must be a knucklehead in Denver because back he only gave yeah. up. He only got two seconds. Like he must have been causing major problems there. But the kid has talent. Eric Gordon, defender, clutch shot maker, really nice pickup there. Plumlee, I think, has had a very underrated season in Charlotte. I think in many ways he could fill the Isaiah Hardenstein role they lost when Isaiah Hardenstein joined the Knicks. I, I, I do wonder, first of all, John Wall, I mean, he couldn't stay healthy, and, and it seems like he's washed, so I get moving him. I was a little surprised they just, like, dumped Rich Jackson, like, and now they're talking about maybe bringing in Russell Westbrook. Like, I think Jackson's better than Russell Westbrook. so. Uh, is it worth giving up all these guys so that they could find a way to bring in, um, you know, Gordon Highland and Plumley? Maybe, but I do wonder what they do at point guard now. But some of these other rotational guys they got, I think that they're good players. Like I think that the Clippers now team that I, I didn't take seriously as a championship contender. I don't know if I still necessarily take them seriously, but I think that they're at least a little more viable now with some of the guys they got. I really like what the Clippers did. I my two. My my championship my finals pick coming into the season was the Bucks and the Clippers. Um, obviously, like the Bucks, love the Jay Crowder move. We'll see. He hasn't played in 270 days, but in theory, I, I like it. And again, second round picks. You know, Giannis isn't worried about that. Um, as far as the Clippers go, the, the you're right about the point guard situation. They love Terrence Mann. Um, there was Zach Lowe. Yes. I think reported that there was Fred VanVleet was you know potentially in the block, and they wanted to hold on to Mann. I, I would have got Van Vliet, uh, you know, I, I would have moved high water to, to get FEV. I, I'm just a big Van Vliet fan. Um, but that being said, I really like the moves on the margins. Um, they need Kawhi and, and Paul George to play consistently. We'll, we'll see if they stay healthy. Um, but just in terms of, you know, fleshing out the roster, they already had some depth. Um, I really like the Clippers moves. And I think they're obviously a win-now team, made some win-now moves. Um, and uh, you, you're right, the Plumlee additions uh, really solid. Uh, Gordon is, is a good addition. We'll see what Bones Highland brings them. Um, but uh, I, I like the Clippers. I think they have elevated themselves in the conversation again. And when we talk about losers of this trade deadline, um, I don't really know what's going on in Toronto and Chicago, particularly those two franchises. Uh, Toronto, they're giving up first-round picks now, the Adjok of Pirtle. I mean, I, I mean, maybe they, they know they're going to get a treasure trove of picks when they trade OG maybe this offseason, but this doesn't seem like a team that's going anywhere this season. I don't know why they didn't sell off on some of these guys now when they have more draft picks available uh, to get probably, you know, the later you, you wait, the more these guys are closer to their, when their contracts expire, you would think their value could decrease as time goes on. So Toronto, I didn't really quite understand. I didn't quite understand uh, Chicago. Now, maybe Chicago is just stuck where they are. Maybe there's nothing they can do considering, you know, Zach Levine's making $250 million considering uh, DeRozan at his advanced age, but you know, they lose to a Nets team that had nine rotation guys, nine lineup guys uh, playing last night, guys who were active. Um, and, and you kind of wonder where they're going. And there was rumors they were trying to to, to sell off uh, Levine to the Knicks. The Knicks weren't having it. Uh, two teams to me that kind of just look directionless right now. Agreed. Uh, as far as winners, I think the Knicks were another winner because they didn't trade for yeah. Zach Levine. That, that, <laughs> yeah, I that, agree. 
that made me nervous. Um, I, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, the rap. The, the one thing I'll say is, as far as the Knicks are, you know, the, on the Knicks podcast, is the Raptors improved. Jakob Pertl's a good center. Um, if the Knicks play the Raptors yeah. in, a, in a playing game, um, that that's that's a, another. You know, we and we've seen they've had problems in the past. Um, but yeah, the, I don't know what the Bulls are doing, um, and they're uh, but they're not uh, not not wise. I wouldn't say wise decisions. And and I and I'll be honest. I mean, the Warriors. They got I and mean, GP two is he was a very valuable piece for them, and I think he will help them. But this is a guy they could have signed, yeah. and they didn't sign him because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. Now they're gonna pay it anyway. Um, I, I didn't I didn't quite understand that. And now you get up James Watson, your guy who drafted number two to bring him back. It, it, it seemed it looked like to me this is on a, one of those examples where like I'd say you know if this were the Knicks, yes. <laughs> we'd be saying something different. Like Tim Hardaway, this happened, and all we heard was that the Knicks were, you know, trading for a guy they could have re-signed. Uh, when they traded, they traded for Dennis Smith. This is a guy they could have drafted. Here, the Warriors essentially doing some Knicks stuff, and you know, no one seems to really care about it. But I don't really like how they do this. And Wiseman was drafted in between Anthony Edwards and Lamelo Ball, and that, right, and so that was a mistake, initial mistake that they made. So it, I mean. I mean, again, they're a team that only cares about winning championship at this point. Yeah. So, okay, Peyton should help, but not good asset management by Bob Myers and company with the Golden State Warriors. So, uh, last note on this before we get out of here. I know we're running a little long. Uh, Knicks and how they shape up in the East. Like, now that you've seen kind of where the, the, the landscape has changed in the NBA, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I think the Knicks are in really good shape. And we didn't mention them as a loser, but I mean, Miami did nothing. Miami has a disaster point guard situation. Yeah, some bad contracts that are just sitting on their, <laughs> their roster, not playing, and they did nothing. We know the Nets now are probably going to about to just hit the tank. We think, like, I look at the Knicks and say they they should make the playoffs. Like, if they don't make the playoffs, in my opinion, I think that that's a disappointment. Like, uh, Miami's holding on for dear life. The Brooklyn Nets are, are faltering, and now you're trying to hold off the teams that are behind you, who you do have a little bit of a leg up on right now. Knicks got to get in. They got to find a way to get in. They got to find a way to get one of these top six spots. Agreed. Now, at this stage of the game, with Hart, with the Nets doing what they did and with the Heat standing still, I would say the, it would be a disappointment now if the Knicks don't get at least the six seed. Five seed isn't, you know, uh, what we, we, you can get greedy, but yeah. avoid the play in tournament. That, that should be the goal right now. And it's a very reachable goal. In fact, it should be expected. And I think that if they are able to especially get that five seed, and you're talking about a matchup with Cleveland, I mean, I think the Knicks now, you say, okay, this gets interesting. Can you win a series? Because I think that, you know, those top three teams, you say, okay, maybe you're not beating those teams. They've seen the Knicks. We've seen the Knicks play against Cleveland this year three times. Knicks competed great in all three games. They won two of them at home. Knicks have been a terrible home team this year, but they've beaten up Cleveland at home. And the game they won on the road, they played on the road, it was a very close game. And that was before they had, they didn't have Josh Hart, obviously. So uh, I think there's reason to be optimistic about how the Knicks season could end this season uh, prior to this trade deadline, not just because of what the Knicks did, um, but uh, now because of what some of these other teams did or didn't do. So a really fascinating season to, to kind of uh, watch. We will be watching all of it down the stretch as we come down to the last about, you know, month and a half, two months, well, about two months left in this NBA season. So it should be very exciting. But that will do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, let the people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me on EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. You can find uh, you can find me on Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Make sure you guys have a great weekend. Thank you guys for checking us out. Knicks have a game Friday night. Make sure you check that out. Knicks Sixers, big one in Philadelphia. Let's go Knicks. 
course, you can catch all these episodes of Orange and Blue Bloods on the new generation on the excuse me on the Odyssey uh, channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, make sure you hit the auto download feature so you can make sure you can uh, get these podcasts whenever we drop. We drop three times a week. We'll be back with three more episodes next week. We'll also uh, make sure you check us uh, out on YouTube. So you can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel as well. Thank you guys for checking us out. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Catch you guys. Peace.